Welcome to Geek Exploration, the podcast where we are currently bringing revolutionary, groundbreaking content to Western audiences. I'm John Williams. And I'm Ben Robinson. Grab your motorcycle, pop some pills, and get ready to unleash your latent psychic power. We're talking Akira. I can always tell, I mean, besides looking at your face, when you are reading your uh, your copy for your intro off the computer, you go very fast. <laughs> uh, how you doing, Ben? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I'm doing well as well. I'm a little, just a tinge hungover, but... I can feel that. Wait, yeah. you can tell? No, I'm oh, also okay. a little hungover. Oh, all right. Good. Yeah, I um I spent four or five and a half hours at the car dealership yesterday and made a deal. So I had a headache and I was cranky and I was hungry and I was like, man, like I'm gonna do a little bit of celebrating, even though I'm, you know, it's just me and Angelina hanging around. So I I found out my local liquor store sells Grey Goose in pints. Oh, nice. Yeah, I know they don't do Tahoe Blue in pints, and that's my favorite. But it's like you know what? I'll splurge. I guess I'm not getting smeared off. <laughs> Yeah, buying a car is the is the fucking worst. Yeah. Having to spend time in the dealership is fucking miserable. Oh jeez. And the 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 car salesman guy, you know, like uh, well, I was talking to a really nice kid most of the time, and then of course the closer comes in once it, once it's time to start talking money. And this guy, like okay, I can't talk too much shit because he did end up, you know, coming quite a ways to meet me because there was there was a big gap between where I wanted to be and where they yeah. wanted me to be. But, you know, he came up and started off with the fucking bullshit with like the over explaining things to me and, and say like, well, you know, we're both a couple of smart guys. So we know that this is a good thing. I'm like, shut up. But yeah, made it through. Yay. Um, but yeah, it's hot. <laughs> that was the next thing that came to mind. Um, what you been up to? Uh, not much. Just hung out with friends last night. Had some folks over for dinner and, uh drank a good amount of beers not enough to ruin my day today but enough to make it drag ass a little bit yeah but it gave me plenty of time to dive into some akira yeah yeah i uh i, I started watching the movie the other day and didn't finish it and i was gonna finish it yesterday and i didn't so i finished it like two hours ago yeah <laughs> so it's fresh in mind yeah that's good yeah you know it, it was interesting we were talking about what we were uh, what we were going to do for our next podcast episode and we we'd had olympics on the mind and we both weren't feeling it and you just came right out with akira which yeah. is are, are we going to call it akira or akira i don't i don't know i don't I've, know what, i've always said akira, akira. Yeah. i don't want to sound like i'm putting on some sort of terrible <laughs> akira. japanese yeah, accent get, i'll get that out of my out of my system <laughs> right now oh, yeah. i was even doing that before the show yeah definitely uh, i've always said akira Okay, yeah, let's keep it with Akira. This this property's been here for our entire lives. It came out in 1988 and it's been, it's always been like the big dick, you know, yeah. in in the uh in the the group of of or in the the crowd of anime. You know, that that is the pinnacle. I I referred to it the other night as the Super Mario Brothers of anime. You know, like it's it's yeah. the one that everyone knows or, you know, if if you haven't seen it then you're a fucking poser. You know, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's the one that everyone has to see. It's the one I've given my shit daughter. Or <laughs> <laughs> Please leave that in. It's the one I've given my daughter shit 
for not having seen because she's a huge weeb and anime fan. She's a bit of an otaku. And she hadn't seen it, and I'd been saying, like, you need to watch this. It is it is required, you know, not to be like a gatekeeping shit, but, uh, you know, it's required watching. Like, you know, if you want to know anime, you have to, you probably should see watch Akira. It should be on your list. Yeah. If you're a Metallica fan, you have to have Master of Puppets. Yes. If you're not going to dive so deep on the early thrash stuff, like, you at least have to have Master of Puppets. If you came in on Justice or Black Album... Or, heaven help me, load. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> um, so did she watch it with you? She did. All right. What What'd she think? Well, uh, being the, the you know, oh, no. understated turd she is, uh, she, I mean, she watched the whole thing. Yeah, so she is your sign. shit daughter. She, she, she watched the entire movie um, instead of walking out 15 minutes in, so that was nice. And I asked her, like, at the end of it, like, so what'd you think? She was like, oh, it was a thing, and then left. And I talked with her a bit more about it today. She enjoyed it. She okay, did like good. it. What but, the fuck? <laughs> but, you know, she's not going to give me any sort of ground. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I've I've got a, uh, it's not a love-hate relationship with anime, but I'm not really a big fan of it anymore. I liked it a lot when I was a teenager. I watched a bunch of stuff. But I think over time, just the, the writing just, just didn't click with me. Like uh, it just, the, the, there's the way they tell their stories or, I mean, I guess the stories that they do write don't always make sense to me. And I, I want a little more of a straightforward, you know, simple adventure story. You know, it, it, it seemed like there was always a lot convoluting things. So you don't want your battles with, uh, 25 minutes of talking and explaining what's oh, happening in the fight. Yeah. I think no that's probably my least favorite anime trope. Yeah. 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 And then you have your, yeah, your Dragon Ball Z's where there was a run one time when somebody was like charging up for like three or four episodes. It was it, only to unleash that blast. And then the smoke clears and the person's standing there just fine. <laughs> they go, what? It cannot be. I've never seen power levels so high, which in this movie, there is a part when when that doctor's just like, uh, like, what? The power levels are so high, and I was like, oh my goodness! Like, <laughs> even in this, oh yeah, Akira predates a lot of the tropes, so it doesn't fall as heavily into some of the this the now commonplace anime tropes as did. But it's the foundation for a lot of those tropes. You know, I don't know if it or you know some of the other manga and stuff that it came from, um, like like the you know the main protagonist is an orphan. Yeah. Like that's standard. Like if you're the protagonist of an anime, your parents are fucked. If they're not <laughs> dead already, they're they're going to die. Yeah, this thing was uh was was big. Well, you know what? Maybe uh before we start talking about the property, let's get into some first impressions. Yeah, I'm down. All right. So what was your first encounter with uh with the old Akira? So I remember folks talking about it in high school. I think it was probably Maybe sophomore, junior year. I remember just like you'd hear about it. You'd go to the comic store and they'd have like the big fucking Akira posters and mm -hmm. like the Ghost in the Shell posters and shit. And uh, I know both of those well. Yeah, like, like they, they popped in my head right when you said it. Yeah. I, I mean, the Ghost in the Shell one was like on the window of comics and comics for years. And when when you say the uh, the original Akira poster, it, is that the top down with him walking to the bike or is it the one with, with Kaneda with like the big gun? With like the city behind him, and he's just like standing there looking at the camera. The one in my brain is the one with the gun. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. I think that was the uh, the VHS cover. Yeah, I'd heard about it, and like I'd heard like that it was great, and you needed to watch it. And you know, I had seen some other anime before this. Like at that point in in time, 
like Dragon Ball was on, like Toonami was on. So you'd see, you know, Dragon Ball Z and I was checking that out and a few other things, but I had not yet seen Akira. And I remember renting it from Mr. Video, I want to say. It was either Mr. Video or Blockbuster. Yeah. And, uh, And watching it on VHS and kind of being like realizing how cartoons could be a lot more, uh, you know, adult or, you know, where they could like blow people up and, uh, show boobs and do all kinds of stuff that, uh, curse I I hadn't, yeah, I hadn't really associated with animation before as a teenage boy, shit blowing up and, uh, and boobs and, and motorcycle chases, foul language, violence, fucks and all kinds of stuff. I mean, it was, it was wonderful. Right up my alley. That was one thing that that was the the initial appeal of anime when we were teenagers. Like, holy shit! Like the Japanese, like they, like you just said, like they, there's so much adult material, but it's a cartoon. Like it was so like extra taboo. Oh yeah, you know, like it, cartoon it, boobs. Whoa! Yeah, and it flew under your parents' radar. Oh, not mine. Because, uh, oh yeah, it flew under my parents' radar at least. I mean, not that their their radar was not as finely tuned as yours either. <laughs> yeah. But uh, because it's a cartoon, like at that point, I mean, we're talking like the early mid '90s here. Like, yeah, it, it, it's a cartoon. How bad could it be? Yeah. Like there wasn't even any question that it wouldn't be appropriate for kids. Yeah, I had to go over to. Well, I'll get into my first impression. Um, uh, one of my Offsided friends, uh, Sean Evans, or have I ever said his last name? I don't know. Do you? Yeah. Should you? I don't care. He won't answer my calls anymore. So fuck him. <laughs> uh, not the guy from hot ones. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I watched a lot of rated R movies over at his place and we were probably yeah, 14 or so I imagine. And, um, he, he was the one that got me into, uh, anime. You know, we watched a bunch of, anime. I, in fact, now I think Preston was a part of that too. Cause I remember watching Guyver at Preston's place yeah. and, um, and Dragon Ball was around. And I remember, you know, Sean's place was where I watched Akira for the first time and like Ninja Scroll and, um, geez, what were some of the other ones? Like eight man after. Star? Yeah, you know, I, I'm not certain I've ever seen that all oh, really? the way through. Yeah, I know you and Ryan were big into it, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and uh, Grappler Baki. I don't know why that one just popped in my head. Um, but yeah, we watched it over at his, at his place, and I had the the same experience. Just like, like, what the fuck is this? And the thing is, like, this shit is gorgeous. Like, there's some of that yeah. some of that old anime, like even the original Guyver series that's like, you know, it's, it's rough. You know, it's like the, like the GI Joe cartoons compared to Disney, you know, it's, it's yeah. just not, not as polished and, and the frame rate's not, uh, not as high. And, but I mean, this thing was beautiful and it was revolutionary. And yeah, like even when I was watching the movie the other day, um, in that scene when, you know, when that, when the clown gang assaults Tetsuo and, and Kauri, and you know rips her shirt off like i had forgotten that even happened and when it happened in the movie like i had a callback to when i was a teenager i was just like oh what the fuck ah and then he punches her right in the face and she just falls face first into the ground holy shit that was fucked like yeah i i I was it was bizarre watching that just being like holy shit like that's nuts that people that that well i mean I'm sure that's happened in real life at oh, one yeah. time or another, yeah. but wow. Unfortunately. Yeah. But no, this is a beautiful movie. I mean, this is one, one of the best examples, I think, of hand-drawn animation that's that's out there. I mean, it is just, it's so clean and so detailed, and it is, uh, 
I mean, it, it is a work of art. Yes. For sure. One thing that I noticed in this movie in general is the lighting in it is so much more dynamic than you see in, in anything, in hardly any, you know, hand-drawn a- animations. Yeah. You know, like now with like 3D rendering and stuff, they can kind of make light do the things that light does, which I think is kind of a bummer because like the way they treat light in this movie is it's so much more thematic and and it kind of builds the ambiance of it. It does. It's not necessarily doing what light would do, but, you know, things flash and lights change as cars go by. And, you know, if you got all the like the, the light reflections off the neon lights and like the you know, a lot of reds and, and greens and stuff in the color palette Damn. instead of like the standard blues. I'm surprised you were able to pick those out, <laughs> but I, you know, I wish, I wish I would have heard you say that before I watched it. So I, so I would be thinking about that and watching for it. Cause I, you know, it, it, it didn't cross my mind. So I, I took it for granted, but that's something that's really cool that I would like to go back and look for, you know, cause that, that gives it a gives it a quality that uh, that stands apart. Yeah, because I mean, like I I noticed it about halfway through the movie, and and was just like, holy shit! Like they put a lot of time and effort into the lighting in this, and then like kind of like went back and like looked at some other examples from the era, and it was like, yeah, okay, yeah, this is not normal. <laughs> yeah, like went back and like looked at like like watched a little bit of uh, Fist of the North Star, and it, it's pretty, you know standard anime lighting you know there are some shadows but like everyone's kind of lit from the front even when they're facing each other they're not really concerned about like where yeah, it's yeah. coming from it's like like when, I, when i'm drawing the light source is almost always up into the left slightly yeah that's and, just how it's comfortable and then uh and, and then you look at shit like the little mermaid like i looked at a couple you know clips of that just uh, curious like what was america doing at this point and there's like no shadows at all. It's all just flat colors. Yeah. Oh, geez. <laughs> it's like, holy shit. The, the amount of work they put into this to make it look awesome is impressive. Well, and that sort of is, you know, the, the, the one-to-one comparison between Eastern and Western animation at the time. You know, like, like for once, Japanese animation was reaching the levels of, of like, like a Disney in quality. And like I referred to earlier, like frame rate, you know, like, like, Film is is shot at 24 frames per second. Generally, animation sits at about 12 frames per second, where they just shoot it two times for for every uh, for every one frame. But this one, for the most part, was one to one. Like it, yeah. they, they actually animated 24 frames per second, and it shows because everything is so fucking smooth. And like, you know, the the first thing that comes to mind is um, when the uh, the the first little old man child you see. I can't I can't remember his name anymore. Um, Takahashi was that? Takahashi? Was it Takahashi? I Could be. So. I'd believe it. Yeah. Um, when like when the uh, the motorcycle's coming at him and the lights are on him and he and he like gets this like big animated shocked expression. Like you see like every muscle and line move mm-hmm. as his face expands into that. You know, the, the motorcycle scenes that like the way they move and the way, you know, if you see a group of people walking, you know, out from school when it's all of them and their girlfriends are walking, like everybody's doing something and everything is so smooth. Like this thing has had so much time and money and care put into it. And like that scene there, I saw the line art from that scene. Like, like, as I watched like a, uh, it was like the, I guess it was like a production update video that they put out before the movie came out. Oh, cool. Found it in like a special features thing and watched it. And, uh, like they fully animated everybody's body 
And like, so when you see the line art, like you see everyone's body through everybody else's body. Like they, yeah. they put the full attention of detail into every single character in the frame. Even the, the people that were just like walking around in the back. Yeah. And there's so much of that shit too. That's like, you know, just the little, the little details where, where, you know, like a paper blowing or, or, you know, like when they, when they do like a slow push on Tetsuo at some point, like the, the foreground actually, you know, like is animated to move in perspective. It's not just a yeah, push when in he like falls it would off be the bike days. and he's lying on the ground. Yeah. 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 One of the like things that were, I, I actually like rewound it and like watched it after, after I was done. I didn't want to do that while Haley was watching it because yeah. they're enjoying the movie. But is that fucking like teddy bear amalgamation? Holy scenes. shit. Like, like you look at it and you're like, whoa, that looks fucking great. And then like you realize like every single one of those little toys is actually a little toy that's like melding into it like and or coming off when it's falling apart. Yeah. It's like, holy crap, they didn't cut any fucking corners on this at all. That, that shit in the end when Tetsuo is, is, you know, turning into a big giant glob monster. Oh, man. All the little fingers popping out everywhere. Uh, oh, okay. Tentacles. All right. We'll, we'll oh, get to fuck. it. Oh, geez. We're, okay. So <laughs> suffice it to say, this thing was amazing and revolutionary and groundbreaking and opened the doors for a number of, of you know, anime companies and enthusiasts to start infecting the, uh, uh, the West because it really wasn't that big. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Studio Ghibli was doing big, big budget, you know, like high quality things already. But I mean... This really was the uh, the groundbreaker. Yeah, they hadn't really penetrated the American or European markets. Yeah, the way that anime started to hear, you know, like from this point forward. Yes, yeah. Um, and so this property started as a manga, which um, you know, sorry manga fans, but maybe somebody doesn't know what that is. It's a Japanese comic book. So it was a uh, it was a comic series that started in uh, 1982. And it ran until 1990 in a, uh, it was serialized in Weekly Young Magazine, which, yeah. which sounds like, 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 like that's such a typical, like English translation of a Japanese title, Weekly Young Magazine. It's like, yeah, of course that came from Japan. Well, yeah. Yeah. And if you look at the covers of them, like it says young in English letters across the top. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And it was for like young men and professionals. Like, like the target audience was people in like their twenties. Perfect. Yeah, it was created by uh, Katsuhiro, Katsuhiro Otomo, and uh, and he, I mean, he did the manga, he did the movie. Like, I mean, this is his baby, cradle to grave. That was something that I didn't realize when I was turning on the movie when, when I saw written and and directed by Katsuhiro uh, uh, Otomo, and I, I was like, holy shit! Like, that's kind of shocking that that he was able to make that transition. Like, that'd be like, you know, a, a comic book artist writing and directing an animated movie yeah like wait no that's exactly what it is that's, but yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, i mean is, I'm, I, I guess in my head i was thinking of like darwin cook you know who who made uh dc new frontier like actually writing and directing the uh the movie for new frontier but then again he came from animation so never mind well i mean and i think part of that is what made the movie what it was and so successful because like he wasn't an animation director he wasn't an animator he was, uh, he was a dude that made comics. And so he came to it with a different sensibility and a different vision for what he wanted it to look like, you know? And so he probably made some decisions that like a career animator would have been like, that's an insane amount of work. Why would we do that? <laughs> yeah. Because he did stuff like they recorded all the voiceover first so that they could use the actor's 
you know, inflection and, and like video of their lips to inform the lip syncing on it, which is a little bit lost when you watch the dub. <laughs> yeah. Well, and what, what's interesting is that that is common practice in the West, but apparently it was just, it was unheard of back then in, in, uh, in Japan, but like th- they do that all the time here, you know, like that, that's, that's standard. Yeah. That know? was the way Disney did it. Yeah. And the cool part about it is he didn't give the actors any direction on like how to be their character. He wanted them to all come up with the character and like the way they talk and their attitudes on their own. And then he, they decided to draw it around their characterizations of it. Interesting. Yeah. Which is a really cool and I guess risky way to do that. You know, I mean, he, he was pretty giving with his vision on this. Like he gave a lot of people a lot of freedom. Like the dude that did the music, he was just like, Hey, here's this thing. Read the manga, make me the music for it. Yeah. And uh, I did. Uh, again, probably decisions that a, uh, that a seasoned veteran in the animation industry wouldn't have made. Yeah. And, and you know, decisions that someone who is comfortable giving up creative control would you know decisions i would not make yeah that's tough man that's a hard thing to do especially on something that that he is so married to yeah i i I guess the the more reasonable comparison would be if they let us write and direct a space oddities animated movie yeah it'd be madness that seems insane i mean i would totally do it my degree's in animation but doesn't mean i have any experience in the field And this was also, you know, as far as crossover support goes, like this was the first manga to be concurrently published in America as a comic book through through Marvel's Epic line. Oh, it was concurrent, huh? At the end. Like it oh, didn't okay. start in 1982, but I think in 87 or 88, I want to say, Marvel Probably picked right it up. Probably right around the, the movie. Yeah, and started publishing it and caught it because... The other weird thing about this is that the the manga ended after the movie. Yeah. So it got like both of them kind of informed each other. I heard it said that it was like, it was interesting in that, you know, if you're like, okay, so what is the original source of the story? It's they both are. Yeah. Yeah. Because like the end came first in the movie. Yeah. The beginning came first in the manga. And, and the manga ended up adapting the, the end of the, uh, of the movie and you know, it, it just, it's able to, the, the, the great thing about the manga is that it's able to go into so much more detail because that, that was something that I'd heard and that I, and that I totally agree with that the movie, of course, as, as with any time you, you adapt any book into a, into a two hour movie had to compress so much. So from what I understand of the, of the six volumes, it takes, you know, like the first half of the first volume and the last half of the last volume and put sandwiches them together. And that's what the movie is. Yeah. With the elements that were absolutely necessary in yeah. between. Yeah. And I'd heard that, uh, that when they were making the movie, uh, Otomo, you know, his biggest issue was how do I end this, you know, with, in a satisfying way, because the, the comic hadn't ended, but he had to have a definitive end on it. I would imagine he had an end in mind as he was writing it, but maybe not. Yeah, there's I, nothing that says he had to have. Yeah, that, I mean that's that's not what it sounds like because he like he he had to basically work backwards, like come up with the end and then decide which elements from the manga needed to be there. And um, you know, one thing that was interesting is when I was watching the movie, or no, I'm sorry, when I was reading the um, the manga a, a month or so ago. It all seemed familiar. 
And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. You know, like people say, you know, this, this is adapted pretty, uh, pretty straight across. But it wasn't until I was watching the movie again where I realized that it definitely diverges oh, yeah. in big ways. Like, but immediately. There are, <laughs> but there are so many little moments that are from the manga that it, it just, it feels the same. It feels like it's in the same world. And uh, I, I thought that was pretty neat. Yeah, like the part where Tetsuo's beating up the dude, like in the in the movie, it's after he's come back and he, you know, he stole kan- Kanata's bike and they beat up his girl. And so he's Kanata? Kanata? <laughs> Canada? Okay. Actually, I wanted to talk about, th- oh wait, okay, finish your thought and then I want to anyway, talk about Anyway, it's this. like after he stole the bike and he did all that and then, and then in the, you know, in the book, it's, it's at a totally different place, but it, it still kind of happens in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of moments like that. Yeah. Where they're just displaced, but they are like straight up adapted moments. So that was something I was, I was going to bring up in the beginning. Um, when we talked about like, or, you know, I mean, we did cover like Akira versus Akira. Um, but that's, that's another one that like when we were kids, um, so this movie was of course originally in Japan or in Japanese. And then it was dubbed for English a year later. And then it was redubbed in, in 2004. Uh, was that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. And that, so when we were kids, it was Canada, you know, and, and that's what everyone called him. It was, it was Canada. And, and, uh, and he was voiced by Cam Clark. If that sounds familiar, it's from the tick episode. He was the voice of Leonardo oh. uh, in the Ninja Turtles. And he had such a whiny, like, Tensuo. Yeah. Like, that's what I remember more than anything. Cause they yell each other's names so much in, in the end of the movie. Um, but in this one, he's Canada, which I'm sure is accurate. And so, so it's, it's interesting. It's like, um, the kids our age with, uh, Ryu versus Ryu in, yeah. uh, in street fighter. So yeah, I, the, the one I watched recently was the, uh, the 2004 dub. Yeah. And I thought they did a great job. I, I, I know some people complained about it probably just because it was different. <laughs> you know, it's like, this isn't what I had in my childhood, so I don't like it. But honestly, I think they did a really good job. And like, I went back and watched a little bit of the Japanese one. I wanted to watch it all the way through in Japanese, just so that I wouldn't be distracted by having to care what they were saying. And I could just enjoy the visuals only. Yeah. But I didn't have time to do that. But I went through and watched like maybe 20 minutes of it just to kind of pick up on the, the lip syncing work they put in to kind of see like how well did it match. And it matched really well. And the voices from the original Japanese are really similar to the new dub. Oh, like, really? Like the voices they got for those guys are, are pretty c- fucking close. Yeah. They probably put the time and effort and money into it that, that was needed for it. Whereas yeah. back in the day, it was probably just like an eighties. I mean, it was, it was a, it was an import, you know, they're just like, okay, let's just get some cartoon voice actors and yeah. throw them in there, you know, whatever. Yeah, um, and I noticed the translation was a little bit different here and there as well. Oh Yeah. Like I, like in some of the clips I'd seen when I was watching like some stuff, um, on the internets of the original one, like when the dude's like slapping him in the, in the thing, <laughs> in the, in the original English dub, he's screaming, shut up. Oh. And in the new one, he's screaming discipline. Discipline. Yeah. I don't know which one is more accurate to the Japanese <laughs> version, but the whole remaster that they did in 2004 is great. It looks beautiful. Like it's yeah. so much clearer and cleaner and brighter than than the VHS one was. I'd have to do a comparison, yeah, because I I can confidently say that I have seen this movie now three times. There was once when I was a kid, and it was the old dub, and then there was once after it was the new dub, and at that moment in time, I was like, what the fuck is this? 
Canada? What the fuck are you talking about? Like, you know, I knew it as Canada. And, um, and then now the third time for the, for this show. So do we want to get into the nitty gritty of the movie or, or keep going like we are where, where we're just bringing up things? Oh, I mean, I think we could walk through the movie a little bit. So we've got, we've got Tokyo in, uh, let's see in the movie here. It takes, it's, uh, what? 1980. It's 92. It's 1992 when world war three starts. Okay. And, and yeah, a big explosion in Tokyo. And then what is it? 38 years years later. Yeah. Um, life has gone on and we're in Neo Tokyo now, which is something that, that, uh, happened a lot in anime. Oh Oh, yeah. It's solid cyberpunk dystopia. (laughs) I love it. Um, so we follow the exploits of a biker gang led by, by Kaneda and his, and then he's got his friend Tetsuo and. Yamagata and I think Kai is the little guy. Yeah, with the with the tie. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, and then there's a uh, there's some old wrinkly children who, who have uh, <laughs> who have ESP powers. Yeah, and they, they stumble on some sort of government program that uh, that's keeping weird, creepy thirty year old thirty kid people. They look like seventy year old kid people. Yeah, I think or maybe fifty. I think they're thirty though. I think they're from when the original. When they're from, like, they were like kids when oh, Akira occurred back in the day. And it just stunted their growth. Yeah, it made them look all weird and zombie-like. Interesting. But yeah, they stumble into them, and uh, Tetsuo, you know, gets injured, and they take him to, like, the secret hospital where they unlock his powers or decide they're going to experiment on him. No, I'm what not I... Really sh- sure what... What I think happened, and this will probably be a, a re- reoccurring thing throughout the thing is like what what did happen here <laughs> that, that happens to me a lot with anime um but it was my understanding that through his his crash it was the contact with him maybe? yeah that, that 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 is what unlocked his his latent telekinetic abilities because apparently like like the the little girl at one point says that like everyone's got this but yeah. you know um, so I think, I think that was what unlocked it. And then when they start testing him and stuff, they're like, oh shit, like he's, he's got some powers. Yeah. His little pattern thing on here looks kind of like Akira's did. Yeah. Kanata gets like wrapped up in like the revolution. <laughs> like he, he gets, he starts macking on a girl. <laughs> Hold on a second. It's not Kanata. It's either Kaneda or Kaneda. But it's, not, it's spelled K-A-N-E-D-A. <laughs> like La Kanata. Canada. <laughs> so uh Kaneda gets Kaneda. Ka- <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Hey, I I think the judges judges would accept Kaneda or Kaneda. Cuz those are what the two dubs yeah. have called him. Um so Kaneda uh gets kind of like uh basically gets the hots for a girl and gets himself wrapped up in like a revolution that's going on and Tetsuo escapes by blowing some dudes up and uh yeah, so Tetsuo's abilities keep increasing in yeah. in scope and power level, and he's getting these gnarly headaches, and he's all of a sudden able to kill people and destroy things and move things, and he wants to track down this, uh, you know, what the secret organization was was referring to as Akira or Akira, and um, and he thinks that through finding this person. Um, he can either either figure out how to better control his powers or increase his powers by 
absorbing that person. Yeah, because Akira's been like talking to him in his head. Yeah, like he gets that vision where his, where his guts like bing. pour out. Yeah. on the street. Akira, that thing was gnarly. Yeah. And it just comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. He's just like there and you're like, oh, fuck, his guts fell out. Like, yeah. Oh, no, they didn't. <laughs> no. Okay. Good. Okay. Um, <laughs> and he eventually finds the the place where it's locked up. Oh, Akira's not a person anymore. He was dissected and it's just bits. And uh, Tetsuo blows up into a big weird monster. And then there's some giant energy ball and Neo Tokyo gets destroyed. Again. The end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, because Akira comes back. Yeah. And I guess saves everyone by mm. blowing up Neo Tokyo. Maybe. <laughs> and taking Tetsuo and the creepy kids away. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's the synopsis. Let me check my notes for one, one of the things beats. that I found, I found interesting because it, it takes place in 2019. Is that what it? Yeah, I I can never remember because for some reason the dates were changed between the yeah, manga were, and I don't like, know if it was to make it more contemporary, uh, you know, to say hey, this movie's coming out in '88. We shouldn't say everything blew up in '82. That would be weird because it didn't. Well, in in the manga, it's 1992. Oh, is it? Yeah. yeah, which which seems silly because you know why why change it at that point? But um, let's see. And then it was. Okay, thirty-eight year. Oh, so it was thirty-eight years later in in the manga. So it was uh, it was twenty thirty. Yeah, and it was like thirty years because it was in twenty nineteen. Because I remember they were talking about the Olympics being, you know, because they're building the secret facility under the Olympics grounds. Yeah, the Olympics being in Tokyo in twenty twenty, which they were supposed to be, oh. but that wasn't decided until twenty thirteen. Really? Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, whoa, that's nuts. That's what was supposed to happen. Whoa. Oh, that shit got canceled. Yeah. They did not. They, they, Akira did not uh, predict COVID. No, but like my daughter noticed that. And then she also noticed like, oh, look, there's riots in 2020. That's about right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no shit. Um, so one thing that I, that I really love about the movie that you don't get in the manga is the the motion of the bikes oh man. like we already talked about how well animated this is but like there's there's so much just like like energy in the bikes that uh that that you can't get from a from a still page and yeah i love how they they made that whole like light trail yeah. from the tail light thing behind them a thing you know when you see it like you go, oh yeah that's like like akira but it looks so fucking cool Looks kind of like Dark Side's Omega Beams. They're like a Tron bike. Yeah. Yeah, and these motorcycles are pretty fucking futuristic. Yeah, uh, they're fucking rad. Yeah, Connie does is fucking fancy. Yeah, and the, the whole chase scene at the beginning with the clowns mm -hmm. is awesome. Yeah. They're just racking people in the face and knocking them off their bikes. There's that one part where, where Connie does like jumps up and like kicks the dude in the face off of his bike. Yeah. Like, that's fucking badass. You know, I, I think, you know, as I was watching it, I, I got a memory to when I was watching Batman mask of the phantasm where there's a flashback and like Bruce Wayne and, uh, Andrea, whatever her name was, uh, the phantasm spoilers was, uh, was they were being, um, surrounded by some dudes on bikes and Bruce is like, fuck this. I'm going to get the guy. And he does that. He runs forward and like jumps off the, the, front little fender yeah and punches the dude off the bike and i was like oh shit like that was that had to have been an homage to that scene and yet the beginning is shockingly violent you know like like yeah. almo almost in kind of like a robocop way where it's just like it is unabashed and 
you know, it's, it's almost like you're reveling in this violence and like, like to the point to where, you know, people are falling on the ground and then, and then you see them get run over after that. Or like, I love the, the part when it shows some people in a restaurant, yeah. like the, the waiter runs away and the dude crashes through the window and like smashes the, the man who was eating dinner there. You know, like it's, it's brutal. They throw a Molotov cocktail at that dude's car for, yeah. like, for no good reason. They're just like, I mean, it sets the tone for this dystopian you know, cyberpunk city where, you know, violence is everywhere and chaos kind of reigns. And you got these violent biker gangs and our heroes are in one. And uh, these jerks, the clowns, I guess, are in another one. Yeah. Fuck them. You know, it it also kind of reminded me of the Flash TV show pilot where they had that biker gang that had like that, those, those glowing green, like liquid balls that they would throw and they would explode. I do not remember that. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, we're going to have to do an episode on The Flash for sure. Oh, I've, I've, got, I've got the whole series. Yeah, I think where, where it differed from the, uh, from the manga, in, well, we'll probably say that more than a few times, is there's a dude who's trying to get um, what we decide his name was, Takahashi, you know, like out from the facility and, you know, he's bleeding oh, and shit. Yeah. And then the, these fucking riot police just mow him down it i mean like making the robocop comparison it reminded me of the ed 209 scene in the beginning just he's on the ground and they're still shooting him and 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 i love how the animators even went through the detail to like when someone gets shot after they're already like on the ground not moving like their body actually jumps and moves and lots of good smoke effects that's something throughout the entire movie and then takashi like has like a psychic burst and Oh, that's right. Yeah the the thing falls from the you know, whatever like I'd say in the in the in the manga it was a water tower that fell mm-hmm. when he had that little burst thing in the movie it exploded a lot more than a water tower would. <laughs> it's like a gas a kerosene tower. Yeah, what a terrible idea. Yeah, yeah, they got propane towers on uh, on top of uh, roofs. One thing Haley did not like about the movie was those kids. Like she saw, like the first time she saw the kid, she's like, oh, what, what is wrong with that kid? I, I don't like his face for like Takahashi. And then, oh, yeah. and then we went like Mas, Masuda, Masada, the, the one in the little floaty chair. Yeah. Yeah. The chair guy. As soon as he came out, as soon as he talked and she was like, oh God, it's an actual kid's voice. I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, nope, nope. Don't like that. You know, to be honest, when, when I was probably about her age and I saw this for the first time, I had the same reaction. I was like, what the fuck is that? Like, is that, is that an old person or is that a kid? And you're like, wait, why is it speaking with a kid's voice? And why does it look like that? What is going on? And I'm pretty sure they used an, they used actual kids for those voices too. Like they sounded like real kids, not adults trying to be like kids. And the, the Masada or whatever his name was, that guy, his, uh, the kid wasn't that great of an actor. No, I was like, really was not the weakest voice over performance in this movie. Yeah. Is that kid. Yeah. And, and, you know, on the, on the topic of voice actors and, and, um, you know, when they're dubbing it, it's interesting. Like I didn't get this when I was younger, but since they're trying to match at least the, the, uh, the time that a mouth is moving, you know, they have to have it occupied with, with voices that in anime a lot. And this is something that bothered me when I was a kid, they talk a lot more than is natural. Yeah. Well, cause I think Japanese is pretty verbose. Yeah. Like I've noticed that anytime, like I'm hearing the original Japanese and the English, like if there's just a dub over, like the that little special feature thing I saw had that where it had the original Japanese narration and then there was a, an American guy narrating over it. The Japanese would go on for like five seconds before the American guy would start and they'd end at the same time. 
Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> I'm I'm trying to think. Like, I don't have a direct example, but it, but it's kind of like, like you know, in an American project, we'd just say like, "I'm going to go drive my car," but like. In, in anime, it would be like, I'm going to go drive my car, so I'm going to get my keys and get moving. And you're like, oh, wait, but why are you saying all of that? Yeah. And also, you know, in, in, in dubbing for English, they sure do love to use the term bastards. That's a good term. Yeah. yeah anime like loves you bastards a lot. And, and like, whatever the hell, you know, like anytime they can throw the hell in there, they, uh, they will. It's great. <laughs> So one one thing that I loved visually in this, and and uh, it was when they when they go into the lab when they take Tetsuo after his accident into the lab, and they've got him on this like table with like these yeah little circular floaty, floaty yeah floaty rings that that go over him to monitor him, and it looks so fucking cool and high tech, and it's just something happening in the background while they're talking about him, but I love that sort of attention to detail, you know, like, like the machinery in this movie is fucking gorgeous. Like same thing with the motorcycles uh, that are, you know, our, our heroes drive some more futuristic looking motorcycles, whereas the clowns are on like old choppers, but they all look different. Like every single motorcycle is unique. And yeah. Like, that's really cool. One thing that I felt they did for, for the manga that, I mean, sorry for the anime that wasn't the case in the manga from what I could tell. Um, was they made Tetsuo a much more sympathetic character. Like, I think in the manga, he's more just like straight up evil. And it's like, we need to kill him. But Kaneda is the only one that, that, you know, is having trouble because they're, they're friends. But I think in this, they, they humanize him a bit more with giving him his, his girlfriend, Kaori and, you know, flashing back to more of, of the uh, the relationship of Tetsuo and or or at least referring to it, you know, about how how Kanido was always like, you know, telling him what to do, but also looking out for him, you yeah. know, and mentioning how Kanida would would stop people from picking on Tetsuo and like, you know, calling him a crybaby and shit like that, because Tetsuo is definitely the more sensitive of yeah. of everyone. Like he's he's not the tough biker guy. So you, it makes it a bit more understanding that when he gets these powers, he's like, oh yeah, like now yeah. I get to fuck you. I, fuck I, shit I'm up. the tough guy now. Yeah. Yeah. And I've only, I've only gotten through like the first volume of the, the manga. So I, I, there's a lot that I haven't read. Um, yeah. And, and same here, you know, like, like for the record. Yeah. We, we have not read the manga in its entirety it felt a little rushed the 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 switch in dynamic between them being like good friends and you know bitter enemies yeah like it seems fairly quick in the movie and i'm i'm only assuming maybe they you know that's dra- drug out a little bit more or handled a little differently in the manga but well i don't know it it seemed well yeah i guess i guess in the first volume of the manga tetsuo isn't actively trying to kill uh, Kaneda. Yeah. He does kill the shit out of Yamagata. Man, he kills the shit out of a lot of people. You know, like, I, I kind of see this, I've, I've seen the, com- or, um, the parallels between this and that movie Chronicle that came out several years ago. Oh, you didn't? The, the, the found footage one by, uh, Josh Trank? Yeah, like, I, I'm, I'm sure, you know, he was inspired by it, because if, if he's, if he's a geek and he's about, he's probably close to our age, he probably grew up with the same sort of stuff, but yeah, like, it's the wimpy kid out of the group that, I mean, well, in, in Chronicle, they all get these powers, but the more, more of the outcast of the three, you know, turns fucking evil 
pretty quickly. He's like, all right, time to, time to wreck shop. I mean, that's a thing that can happen, you know, like if, uh, you know, if, if you're unstoppable now, you know, maybe you always kind of wanted to be a shithead. Yeah. You just couldn't, couldn't get away with it before. Now you can. What's the joke? Like, where does a 500 pound gorilla sit? Like wherever he wants. Yep. And so in there, like we referred to before, um, Tetsuo's having these these weird visions. Like one is his guts spilling out into the street. Yeah. And like, you know, it shows him outside of the vision, like actively trying to pick up his guts, but it's such a quick little flash that it's fucking it's jarring. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then the other one is when he's in the fucking hospital and like he looks down at a teddy bear. And then he's like trying to go to sleep. And then you see these three like creepy toys, all tiny, like crawling up onto the bed. And it's got this weird soundtrack going on. It's got like that repeating. I can't remember what it sounds like anymore, but I remember just being unsettled by the repetitive nature of the sounds that it was producing. And then it, they like all come together into the, into this giant teddy bear. That's like leaking milk. Yep. Yes. And there's like milk all over the floor and they're just, yeah, it's like flooded with milk. And and at first when I was watching it I was like, what the fuck is that substance? Like that's really gross. And then and then they even call it out as milk and it's like, oh, it's even grosser now that I know it's milk. <laughs> it's like, why is there fucking milk everywhere? Why is he like splashing in milk? Tell me. <laughs> Cuz it's gross. I think those were like induced by the creepy kids. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Cause I mean, cause yeah, they, they were represented by, you know, like they were each one of those toys. Like teddy bear was, was that Takahashi? I think and so. And then the, the there was, there was like a car. Was the dude, the car was the girl. Oh, okay. Cause I remember when he goes up to the playroom and, and fucks them up. Yeah. She's like, the car is the one that's not there. And he's like, where are you at? Oh, that's right. And that, that was something that was not in the manga. And I thought that was a great addition because like just that whole idea of visions was not in, in the manga at all. You know, like in, in the manga, he, he has these splitting headaches that he needs to take drugs to, uh, to all make some drugs. Yes. Tons <laughs> and tons of drugs. But I, I thought it was really effective in this to like the route they took with that. You know, it, it the manga for, for obvious reasons is long form storytelling and yeah. and they they could not have gone into that whole, like he he goes in a completely different direction in the movie um i thought that was great and then he he busts out of there and goes looking for for akira and he's just a fucking one-man wrecking crew at that point like yeah crushing tanks and completely untouchable he puts that fucking cape on just yeah like all right why I'm, not i'm clearly a super creature i don't want to say superhero super something yeah he's a super something now i need a cape i'm gonna look way cooler this way fuck yeah go for it yeah so he he starts i mean even though he flies out of the facility like he just starts walking down the street with his cape on and fucking Does military's actually... trying to stop him and fucking people are trying to praise him thinking he's the the second coming of akira well, like boy, weird the, fringe groups out there that are, I don't know. That, they all fucking die. Yeah. Weird cults and shit. Yeah. And then they all fall in the water. I don't know if they die, but, uh, probably. So were you asking if he, if he's consciously flying or if he just sort of like he throws looked, himself out of the facility and then yeah, has to walk? Yeah. Cause like, he seemed like he was like, I can do this now or whatever, but he was definitely falling. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. And it was also a weird angle. 
I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I don't remember him being able to just straight up fly around, but but he did. I wouldn't jump be surprised into orbit later on. Oh, he sure did. Yeah, and take out a satellite. So oh, he's got a bunch of powers. Yeah, and he doesn't quite get them yet. What can so. he do? Powers. Yeah, the thing he's going to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the thing somebody writes him to do. Um, At least in the bit of the manga that I read, the colonel is a bit more of an asshole, I think, than he is in the movie. Like, in the movie, he comes off as he's very, you know, whatever the mission takes kind of guy. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if he ends the same way in the manga, but, like, by the end of it, you're like, okay, this guy's not that bad of a dude. In the manga or anime? In the anime. Okay, yeah. Because, like, he definitely has the... He seems to have Tokyo's best interest in mind, and he does seem to genuinely care about those three kids, at least. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if that was a product of the compression, because, you know, it, at least at the end of the, the first uh, volume of the manga, he's still alive. So if he's around for the entire story, that could be part of the evolution of his character, where, yeah. where we just get to know him better, whereas... In the beginning, like he's, you know, he's part of this organization that is up to no good and he'll fucking kill somebody if he needs to, to get oh, yeah. his way. And the manga, like, I think in the, in the anime, he says something like, well, if this goes wrong and you can't control him, kill this guy. Yeah. But in like, in the manga, he's like, Hey, do whatever you want. Don't worry about damage to this kid. I don't give a shit. Yeah. And you're like, Whoa, that's a, uh, that's a bit rougher. Yeah. But like, even at the end of the movie, he's still like, Hey, just come with us. Now, he might be saying that so they could, like, calm him down and kill him. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> but he's still like, hey, we got your meds. Just chill out, dude. Well, and, and he does seem a little more, like, altruistic and a little more, like, he's got he's got ideals that are um, honorable. Yeah. Rather than just being, you know, like, because in, in the manga, for all I know, like, he is this fucking shithead scumbag leader of this secret organization that's really going to fuck things up in a bad way if they if they get their way you know like they're already developing these these huge things like they could be developing these kids as weapons but that yeah. it didn't seem like what they were doing in the movie no no and all the politicians were definitely corrupt shitheads yeah so so yeah i mean once we get to the stadium and tetsuo goes ahead and pulls the the whole like big Akira housing facility. I don't know the 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 big dome ice box. Yeah, the and cracks deep it freeze. open. Yeah, and it's got cylinders in there that are, that contain like optic nerves and you know like heart? parts of the Looked brain. Like one of them was a heart and yeah, like a little yeah yeah. So after so it, so it turns out that that Akira was a kid that had telekinetic abilities similar to Tetsuo's, and he was the cause of the giant explosion. And after that happened, scientists dissected them to try to figure out where this all comes from. So they, they just, and then when they couldn't figure it out, they decided to bury the pieces. So when, when, you know, so in the future, when somebody is smart enough to figure it out, they've got the material there. Yeah. And they had them down at like almost absolute zero. Yeah. Which I like, they gave them the cold weather gear and it was like a jacket and they didn't <laughs> even put the head up and they're like, it's a hundred and like 28 Kelvin in there. I'm like, that is fucking cold. Yeah, I don't know my temperatures well enough. What what would be 128 Kelvin in uh, in Fahrenheit? I'm not sure, but I think like zero Celsius is something like 400 degrees Kelvin. And then zero Celsius is 32 degrees Fahrenheit. It's, yeah, it's right? freezing. And zero Kelvin is absolute zero. So yeah, yeah, that'd be like negative 229.27 Fahrenheit. 
Wow. The jacket's not going to do it. No. No, no you're, you're proper fucked. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking cold, man. Like, that's that's way beyond I can see your breath. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so what, once once you find that out, then Tetsuo is just kind of despondent. And, uh, oh, shit, like, oh, they're, they're attacking him. They've got a big laser beam from a satellite in space, and he fucking loses an arm. Yeah. And then that's when he, when he flies up and uh, fucks that satellite up. He gets, makes himself a robot arm. Yeah. And, see, I love that shit. Like, wh- that's going back to all the little details in the animation, is when he's putting that robot arm together, like, you see all these individual chunks, like, going into the proper place to create, like, you know, um, analog muscle sinews yeah. and stuff. And you see, like, cords, like, wrapping around. And, like, like, they're all forming. They don't just, like sort of go into place and then do a cheap little trick. Like it, it, it looks like they actually had a robot arm that they dissected so they could see how it would all fit together. You or, know, or like when he puts it on like the little throne thing and it like starts like all the little wires and shit start like weaving through the stone and coming out like, holy shit. So good. So intricate for no reason other than to look fucking cool. Yeah. I love that. And I guess, uh, I mean, that kind of brings us to like the next thing that's giant and cool. That fucking final transformation when his his body just starts going ape shit and he turns into like a weird goo baby. What I remember most about the end of the movie is when, you know, after after the military guy shoots him in the arm and then he just like shoots a giant globular mess of an arm at the dude. Like that little minute segment has always been stuck in my brain as the end of Akira. And uh, let, let me see what I wrote on my notes. Akira was a person, now just jars of remains. Robo arm in chair was cool. That arm is fucking gross. Holy <laughs> shit, this is gross. <laughs> fucking acid trip. And, yeah. Because yeah. it was all like the weird like tendrils and like thumbs and fingers poking out. Like like when the fingers are like going to like grab the kids and each finger's got a bunch of other fingers poking out of it. It's like, oh, that is fucking it creepy, is dude. Disgusting disgusting and when they're like trapped inside of him and it's got like the weird webs of like sinew and stuff and yeah and and cowrie the girlfriend unfortunately gets crushed to death in there the moment when he put his arm his robot arm on the chair and it started doing that like you could tell he was that's when he started getting scared of his power he was like oh shit like this is something i can't control and then by the time you know what was really interesting is by the time he starts turning into a giant goo baby you start feeling for him again. Like you can hear the fear in his voice and he's calling out for, for Kaneda to, to help him. Yeah. yeah. It was so weird. Like after he's just been like this despicable motherfucker that all you're just like, Holy shit. Somebody just put a bullet in his brain and, and be done with it. All of a sudden you're like, Oh, I feel terrible for this guy because going through something like this, what the fuck do you even do? Yeah. Yeah. It's gone way too far now and he yeah. knows it. And then, you know, when Kaneda is able to shoot some of the, some of the lasers through him and then uh, like all those liquid filled sacks are coming, like it is just fucking gross. And then he kind of like melts down. You see like the giant eyeball, like inside the flesh prison. (laughs) It's just just fucking gnarly. I I love that scene. Oh, I, I, it is. Yeah. I, I stick by the notes that I took in the moment and the kids are there at this point and Akira somehow reforms himself and shows back up. You see that you see the little boy and then it's, it triggers another giant energy uh, sphere of destruction, but this time it's white. 
whereas before it was black. And I and I I I think it went white in the other one too. Like it was black and then went white. Oh, and did expanded it? out? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I I had heard uh, from somewhere else that you know when they were looking at like the energy patterns of Tetsuo versus Akira, and you know, like it's almost identical, but it was actually like reverse in its in its peaks and stuff. And I was that that's what gave me the idea, like. Oh, wait, I thought one was black and the other was white, but oh. um, well, I, I think, could be wrong. I think the energy blast at the end is still Akira, though, isn't it? Because, like, the kids, like, summon oh, him and he shows right. up and he's just like, I'll handle this. And he's, like, taking them all to wherever that is, wherever they go, I guess. Yeah, so so my my uh, my notes at that point, because they, you know, uh, so this, this energy thing expands, it, it absorbs um, Kaneda as well. And then he's in this weird, like, trippy land where, you know, it, it, there's no real, like, time and space. And he's, like, going into memories. And that that's when yeah. you get to see, like, like young uh, Akira. And you get to see the old kids as kids. And you get to see young Tetsuo um, when he first meets Kaneda. And that, that really tugged at the heartstrings. Like, yeah, and it gives him his little action figure. Yeah, and... what, a, what a good guy Kaneda was. But you see the scientist. And he he's looking at the energy patterns. And he says, wait. Oh, wait, no, he doesn't say wait. No, he, th- sorry, this is not a quote. This was my note. He said, wait, this is the birth of the universe? Because the scientist says that. He's like, yeah. is this the birth of the universe? And I'm like, wait, what the fuck is even happening right now? Like, what is going on? <laughs> I started getting angry because I was like, why the fuck does anime do this to me? Like, they just go so far out in their fucking, uh, in their concepts and, and what they're doing. I'm, I'm just like, I don't, I can't attach myself to anything anymore because... I see a very some very beautiful visuals of this building getting destroyed, or you know the the city getting yeah. destroyed, like a lot of them. Oh yeah, it goes on for a while. Yeah, like Tokyo, Neo Tokyo is fucked. Like I'm, I'm yeah. like, holy shit! Like it's got the explosion, and then like a big tidal wave comes through and floods everything. And yeah. Like- yeah, yeah, there's a lot of fucking dead people here, except for any of the main characters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they all get out. <laughs> but you know, I'm I I was sitting there so fucking confused, and then the movie ends with like some cool little orb designs, and he's and Tetsuo says, "I am Tetsuo," and it's over. You're like, wait, what? What? So I had to go searching for for explanation, and um and. The, the explanation that I found that, that suits me just fine is that Akira, in the beginning, that explosion was, was him not being able to control his powers and creating an alternate universe for him to contain himself in until he can. Then when they summon him in the end, he does the same thing and he takes all the kids with him. You know, they, they basically just create an alternate reality that they can live and survive in until they can, they can control everything. And I was okay with that. Yeah. Like, all right. I can see that. Yeah. It, it made enough sense because before it didn't, I was just like, what, what the fuck is even happening here? Why, why is this happening? What, what's going on? Yeah. I could tell that he was taking them somewhere. Like he, you know, he came back, so he's okay. Apparently. Yeah. And they'd mentioned him like us, like when they, they talked about it, you know, it was when Akira, I can't remember if they used the term ascended or. Uh, like enlightened or something, mm-hmm. but they made it sound like he like went to like a higher plane of existence. Or something. Okay, and so I was like, okay, maybe he came back and he's taking them back where he came from. Now. Like Jesus will yeah. one day. <laughs> yeah, and I I remembered when I was younger being even more confused. Like I, I I have a distinct memory of like by the time the jars come out 
with Akira's remains, I was just like, what the fuck is even happening here? I don't know what's going on. Because, like, you hear Akira and you're like, okay, it's a person. And then you see that that dome, like, storage thing that says Akira. And you're like, wait, so is Akira just a weapon and it's not a person? Like, was, was this a bomb? And then you're like, oh, wait, no, it was a person. But now it's things in jars. And, uh, like, uh, I understood it a lot better this time. But that trippy ending, as beautiful as it was, just... <laughs> nope. I, I needed to be told what was happening which is weird because anime loves to tell you what's happening <laughs> it's true <laughs> oh boy um we've been going for a while haven't we want to take a break yeah i think it's a good time for that hey this is chris and lance asking you to check out our podcast comic book keepers each episode features one hero villain team or series Learn history behind a wide variety of comic book characters and creators. Get recommendations on what storylines to read. Uncover how characters were created. Highlight adaptations in media and answer comic fandom's what-if questions. You can find us on all major streaming platforms or on most social media at CBKCast. And remember, keep your friends close, but your comic books closer. Hey, welcome back. Hey, John. How was your break? It was, uh... Urine. Yeah. <laughs> Likewise. Um, so we've spoken about the movie, and I, so I think the other thing to hit, I mean, even though we've touched on it throughout, is the manga. Because like we said, we've both read the first volume. Yeah. Um, but the first of six. Yes, yeah, there's like over 2,600 pages of manga. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a lot of pages. Yeah, I started reading it and I was like, all right, maybe I can get through some of this. And then I uh, realized how much there was. And I was like, oh, no, I'm not <laughs> going to get through all of this before it's time to record. Oh, no, not at all. Not yeah. a chance. I, I kept telling myself to get up and go to the fucking comic shop today to get the second volume. I've I've currently got a, uh, they've got a little like rewards point system thing there. And I've, I've got a $20 graphic novel or $20 off a graphic novel coming my way. So. I get to go get volume two for $5. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm stoked. Like I could read it digitally, but there's something about these books that I'm, I'm really enjoying flipping through. And these things are fucking gorgeous. Yeah. The attention to detail that he put into the movie is also there in the manga. It is lovely. All of the buildings and crumbling rocks and, you know, motorcycles and the action scenes like there, it's just, you know, John Hammond would say spare no expense. Um, you know, he's, he's really crafting a, a thing that, it, that is, uh, that is next level. Like it's a skill set I don't have. I feel like I can, like I can tell a story decently, but just the, the time that, that some of these artists, like especially Japanese artists, the, the time and attention they put into their craft is amazing. Well, and, and you could tell looking through it that he's, he's competent everywhere. Like he draw, like his buildings look good. His perspective is good. His vehicles look good. His people look good. Yeah. Like he's got the whole package down pretty well. Whereas, you know, you've got, you know, some, some artists, you know, maybe they're not that great with scenery. And so they end up doing a lot of blank spaces. Why are you or... looking at me when, when you say that? <laughs> or they can't draw feet. I can draw feet. I'm not talking about you. Okay, Rob Liefeld. Yes. About Rob We're Liefeld. all talking about Rob <laughs> Liefeld. Backgrounds and feet. You love him or hate him, you can't deny the facts. Yeah, he is not a well-rounded artist. No. 
Um, <laughs> he's, he's, he made more money off one issue than I'm going to see yeah. in my entire life. So there's, yep. there's that. But, uh, you know, I think one thing that, that the movie benefited from with, uh, you know, having Katsuhiro Otomo overseeing it is that like his designs for characters and everything like translated directly to screen. Oh, yeah. Like that, that's one thing that I think is easy about reading this is that it, it looks like it's in the same world, even though the, um, the form that I'm reading it in is in black and white and you actually got to read it in color, right? Yeah. Fuck you. It looks cool in black and white too. I mean, the line, the line art's still neat, but yeah. uh, the color is, uh, is cool. It, you know, just gives it a little bit more depth, but yeah, you can instantly tell, like, you know who all the characters are because they look like the characters from the movie. Yeah. Like there's no doubt of who's who. One cool thing Otomo did too, is he did, uh, when he did the movie, he did all of the storyboards himself. Oh, cool. So he spent, I think he said, he said he spent six weeks just doing the storyboards and getting the story, you know, getting the story right in storyboard form before they started animating anything. Awesome. Cause he, he, he was talking about, you know, it's an animation, so it's hard to edit. Like you can't just shoot everything and then fix it in the editing room. Like you have to have an idea of what you're doing going into it. Yeah. And so he wanted to get them right. And so like, I guess he drew a whole bunch of storyboards that he ended up, like he, he drew them all, everything he wanted, and then like had to like take stuff out. And like move stuff around. Oh yeah. I had heard something like he originally had like 2,600 pages. Of, oh wait. Wow. That 2,600, maybe that, maybe that got misconstrued from how many pages the comic book was, but he had like 2000 pages or something of, of notes and drawings and stuff that, that he pared down to like 736 for the movie or something. Wow. Yeah. It's a lot of cutting. One thing that, that the manga benefits from is being able to tell a much longer form story. And that's something that, that we got to see, like with the events that, that happen in both the manga and the movie, you get to see so much more, of uh, you know, like there, there's a lot more room to breathe. Flipping through the manga, like there's, there, there's whole subplots and stuff that were left out. Like, you know, the, the weird cult leader guy with the thing yeah, on his yeah. head, like apparently that's a much more important character in the manga. Like, and I wish I'd read more of it so I could speak competently to this, but there's like a whole storyline with him and, and it, what looked like, uh, Kaneda being like a part of their cult in some way or something. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Just kind of flipping through and looking at pictures and trying to figure out what they mean. Cause I didn't have time to read it all. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm really curious what the second volume is going to be like, because um, when I bought the first volume, the guy working at the comic shop was like, oh, yeah, like it basically, to, you know, the movie is basically the first volume and then the the first half of the second one. And I was like, oh, OK. And since I've 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 since heard otherwise, I'm really curious as to what, you know, what what happens, because it it seems like what he was referring to was not exactly accurate. Yeah. What happens in the remaining like 1500 pages yeah. of the book. Like, holy <laughs> crap, there's, there's a lot there. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it because this is a book that I've seen in comic shops for years. Oh, it's and, a staple. Yeah. And when I was younger, it's like, oh yeah, it was a comic before, you know, but, but I never, I never had any desire to read it. And to be honest, I was trying to think about it today. Like I'm not certain why I bought the first volume at all. Like, I don't know what changed. Like I, I feel like I was in the comic shop and, you know, I didn't go, I didn't go to the comic shop for that reason. I think I was just wandering around looking for something to, to jump out at me. And for some reason I looked at it and I was just like, you know, I don't, maybe, maybe I'll give this a try. And 
it's really bizarre. Like that doesn't seem it like this doesn't seem like my type of book. It doesn't seem like my type of endeavor because it's a very large commitment if you're if you're going to read the whole thing. But I don't I don't regret doing it at all. You yeah, know, like I'm, everybody can't be wrong, right? Yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> there there is a reason why it's so beloved, and um, I'm really looking forward to reading the rest. You know, if we think of it in a future episode, I'll I'll update. I'll let everybody know what my opinion is because <laughs> that's what you come here for. Dan would tell you. <laughs> I'm wondering if in the movie, the pill on his jacket was meant to make up for the fact that they are not all talking about pills and drugs the entire time. Because that is huge in the manga. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there, there's a lot of pills going yeah. around. Like, everyone's popping them, and uh, they're like stimulants, I think. Yeah. Well, and, and in the manga, like, it's got text around his jacket, where it says, like, good for health, bad for education or something. <laughs> I don't even remember a jacket. I just remember that striped shirt he wears like a fucking nerd. <laughs> so Tetsuo's journey in the manga, at least the first volume, is very, very different. Like he gets out of the, the facility and he goes to the clowns and fucks them up and becomes their leader. Yeah. He's like, you, you got the drugs? I need the drugs. And they, the, yeah, they, what the, I can't remember what they called the head clown guy. But he's like, who the fuck do you think you are? And he like throws some bowling balls at him. And he's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he just straight up takes over. And I think that's that's also uh, what adds to his irredeemability. You know, like he is just like he he's the leader of an opposing gang all of a sudden. Like it, it it's it's less sympathetic. And he's just, you know, he's sociopathic, like pretty quick. He's just ready to kill people because he can. Yeah. You know, that that was something that that was missing in the movie for me, you know, like they, they did adapt like the sewer scene with, with Kaneda and, uh, Kay into the movie, just in a different form. Like we were talking about earlier, you know, with the, the guy, the dudes with the flying vehicles and shit, but you know, there, there was a lot less like actual, you know, more small time interactions between people with guns and Tetsuo. You know, or or gangs and Tetsuo. Yeah. Whereas they they quickly expanded to the you know giant arm gross mess bullshit. That, I mean that's not anywhere in this first volume. Apparently it might be in the sixth volume. Yeah. I did write at the end of my notes here for for the manga. It's good. I like it. It's a fair critique. <laughs> uh, and I, so I guess the last thing that we haven't really touched on is like the aftermath. Okay. One of the reasons this movie was so influential and, and you know, is, is the behemoth that, that it is now, it, I mean, it basically opened up the West to anime. Like, yeah. Like we said, it was the first manga to be run concurrently as a comic in America. It, it, it hit theaters in America and did well. Mm -hmm. And it hit it in its largely unedited, you know, in the same movie that it was in Japan, essentially, whereas we, we'd had features with some of... Uh, Studio Ghibli's stuff, but it was, uh, they had, they edited it heavily to make it more kid focused and yeah. change a bunch of the dialogue and stuff to, to shape it for the American market. But it, I mean, it basically opened up the market. Like it was successful here. And there was a, a UK based company called Manga Entertainment that started, that basically formed solely to sell VHS copies of Akira in the US and the UK. Mm -hmm. And they ended up, you know, bringing over Naruto and Dragon Ball and Digimon and the Street Fighter movie. That that's the one that I associate with with uh with manga entertainment 
the most because I I loved that movie when I was a kid and and seeing that logo like they're 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 uh, synonymous with each other for me. Yeah, I mean they they basically brought all that stuff to the Western market once they were able to prove there was a market for it. Yeah, or you know once Akira proved there was a market. for Yeah, it. yeah. Once yeah once the market was created. Yeah, they ended up. I mean they helped produce Ghost in the Shell, which was like the next big hit, I guess you could call it. Yeah. It was the it was the other poster in the comic shop yep. when I was a kid. It was the other cartoon boobs in the beginning that I yeah. that I watched. Basically, the prevalence of anime in America now, you could give a lot of credit to Akira for that cuz like before this, I don't know where you would have found it. Even when we were kids, I was telling Haley like if you wanted to watch an anime, like I remember wanting to watch Vampire Hunter D mm-hmm. and I had to go rent that shit from the movie store because there was no, nowhere was playing that. It wasn't on TV yeah. anywhere until Toonami came in like the, what, the late nineties, late nineties sometime, yeah. 98, maybe somewhere around there. Yeah. There wasn't any venue for anime other than you seeking it out at a video store that hopefully had a small anime section. That's true. I remember having to go to Suncoast Music in the, yeah. in the mall at, to, to get anime. Yep. Yeah, it's weird. Like like anime was such a weird little niche thing when we were when we were teenagers. And I mean, even though I guess at that point it had been out for almost a decade or it'd been around, but it still wasn't this entire like subsect of pop culture that it is yeah. now. Like now it it's it's like its own thing. You know, back when we were kids, it was like you were you could be a comic geek, you could be a D and D nerd. But there wasn't there wasn't a, a anime nerd thing. Like like you were just you you were usually one of those other ones, but you also loved anime. You yeah. Know? And like you bought an anime t-shirt, you know, like that, that's when it was starting to get big, you know, when, when popular retailers were selling anime. Yeah. Hot Topic t-shirts. started carrying Dragon Ball Z shirts. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I would imagine, I mean, I wasn't in the market, but I imagine before 1988, you pretty much didn't find it in yeah. America, especially no. since ja- Japan uses a different video standard than we do. Like, even if you got VHS from Japan, you wouldn't be able to play them in an American. Oh, shit. Uh, in an American VHS player. All, all VHS stuff's... player. I was waiting for you, waiting to hear what you would say. I think Angelina called it a VHS player recently, too. Like, man, we were kids. It was a VCR. It was definitely a VCR. Yeah. <laughs> Video cassette recorder. Yeah. But, uh, oh, yeah, because we're all NTSC, and I think they're on PAL, the same as Europe. Oh, okay. Either that or they have their own standard. But anyway, it wouldn't work here. That's for damn sure. Yeah. So you want to move on to structure? I feel like I've I've said all I can say. Yeah. At this point. Um, you know, I, I, as far as I know, there were never any. Well, were there any video games or. I meant to look action that up. figures. Yeah. I also meant to look. I mean, up, there's definitely like figures. I've seen a kid like. Yeah. I don't know so much like you play with them as a kid action figures as the, like those little statuettes. Yeah. Like the McFarlane style yeah, ones or I've seen a load of those at comic cons and anime conventions. Okay. So something I was, I was just running across when I was Googling something else was it looked like something was saying that there was a live action adaptation. Oh, it's been in production hell for over a decade. Well, in America for sure. Like there've been so many starts and stops over the years, yeah. but I feel like there was a Japanese one or like somebody was saying that, but okay. Looking at the old Google machine right now, I don't think that is accurate. Yeah. I did not, 
I hadn't heard anything about that, but I know Hollywood has been trying to make one for about a decade and just churning through people Yeah, <laughs> that were interested and then not interested. And then the Warner Brothers wanted to cut the budget and people walked away. Yeah, and, I think the Wachowskis were involved at one point. I believe and that. Keanu Reeves, maybe at the same point. Yeah, because I can only imagine that uh, The Matrix had some Akira inspiration to it. Yeah, yeah. It certainly feels like it. Leonardo DiCaprio was trying That's to help right. produce it. And uh, like the last the last thing that came out was in 2019. They announced a release date of May 21st, 2021. Yeah. That didn't happen. No. And Taika Waititi was supposed to be the dude heading it. And I guess he decided to do Thor Love and Thunder instead. Yeah. So it looks like it got pushed by a couple of years. Yeah. I mean, I guess like Jordan Peele turned it down and George Miller turned it down. Like they just haven't been able to get it going and i guess justin timberlake was supposedly in the running to play um canada i wasn't sure if it was gonna like further devolve into like canuda or something <laughs> well, i'm super self-conscious about it now <laughs> you know, <laughs> so okay. like, oh, i didn't want to call it out earlier but but now now that we're we're uh we're you know pretty far in uh it's funny hearing the the hesitation in your voice. Like, yeah. like you're like, "Hello, my name is Ben, and here we're talking about Akira with the character Canada." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got me all self conscious now. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, am I saying it right? Yeah. Well, I guess at this point, you know, technology being what it is, all things considered, it's probably not that difficult to realize the world of Akira on on uh, the live action uh, landscape because you know it they're not going to do it practically and no. you know they can create all those cgi buildings and shit you know in a week and then just you know they've got them use them It'd still be expensive to do it right there's yeah i mean that end sequence alone is going to cost millions of dollars what the explosions or or everything at the stadium the whole yeah everything from yeah. the stadium on there's nothing cheap about any of that nice thing about animation no matter how huge or monumentous it is it it doesn't really cost that much more <laughs> yeah yeah if, if they pay by the cell so i don't know how they do it i am not super interested to be honest i don't i mean that probably doesn't come to a surprise to anybody that's heard my take on uh remakes yeah and shit this movie is beautiful it's really good i don't know what they'd be doing with it that would make it a lot different uh i did hear i guess taika watiti basically said uh that he you know he wanted to make it entertaining was the word he used um i don't know if that implies that it wasn't entertaining before or if it implies he's gonna fucking ragnarok it with a bunch of yeah fucking jokes exactly yeah so which Ew. which in the manga there is some comedy here and there yeah but it's it, it's not a primary focus of yeah the it's, book it's not ham-fisted no i mean they uh, hopefully he won't uh he won't take a lot of uh uh kind of does kind of rapey uh <laughs> humor in, into yeah. that oh well, yeah and his other comments were no one wants a shot for shot remake which i can agree with yeah i don't think anyone does and, but, and it doesn't have to be hard cyberpunk, which makes me think even more Ew. he's going to make it a, a joke, joke, punch Marvel formula style movie, which I'm not super into, but at least it's different. Yeah. I mean, well, like in a live action world, I would want it to exist in like a, with like a, the look of like a Blade Runner. Yeah. Um, 
I would have no problem with them changing the end. Like, like you know, keeping keeping the same idea that, that Tetsuo loses control and Akira comes back and the, the destruction happens. But, like, I wouldn't need to see a live-action version of all that gross shit. Oh, I don't know. That gross shit's pretty cool. I don't think they'd do it well. Yeah. Is the problem. Like, I mean, animating that to look real and awesome would be pretty fucking hard i think i think it might come off silly yeah like just gross and silly which taika waititi may want to do exactly that unless they unless they do it fully practical like uh you know like the thing yeah which they won't no never (laughs) ever again never it's it's so frustrating like it two things i will never see in my lifetime is a ride at Disneyland or any amusement park where I don't have to wait forever and a movie with practical effects. Yeah. All right. Ugh. So, but I guess, um, Otomo is involved to like, he's not involved, but he, he basically, he gave them the rights to do it with the caveat that he gets kind of final sign off on the vision. Okay. So, but he also said like, Hey, I've done this. I'm kind of done with it. I've moved on. If someone wants to take it and do something different with it, I'm comfortable with that. It doesn't bother me. But he'll at least not let, hopefully have final say on someone crapping all over yeah, his vision. Yeah, don't don't shit on my baby. Yeah. And uh, and you're good. You know, and I meant to look into it and I didn't. Like, I'm really curious what other stuff Katsuhiro Otomo has done. I know before this, he did one called Fireball. I, remember, I, I just heard about it. I have not read it, so I don't know anything about it. And uh, there was... Dumo, maybe before that, Dumo, something like that. And I imagine he's done stuff since because I, I would presume after Akira, he was able to pick kind of whatever project he wanted to work on. I would imagine so. I would hope so. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, hopefully he didn't just get like Superman, where they like you know where where he got gypped out of his uh fucking royalties and stuff. You know, just made somebody else billions of dollars since he was involved in everything. I bet he's got a pretty, and they needed to get his permission to make a movie. Yeah. I, I think he rode this wave well. <sighs> Good. Um, okay, so what's your favorite use in pop culture, dude? It's, it's fairly new. Like, I just discovered it a few days ago. So it's not like some sort of long loss, you know, long love of mine. Mm-hmm. But it is very clearly my favorite use that I've come across thus far. And it is called Bartkira. Bart Kira. Bart Kira. It is a uh, basically panel for panel uh, remake slash parody of Akira, the manga, with Simpsons characters and set in Neo Springfield. Are you fucking kidding me? Nope. No. That exists. Yep. Yeah, it had over 700 different artists that contributed to the project over the course of like, I think it was like five years. And uh, I, like, I, I read up to the point like I read almost through volume one. I didn't want to read past volume one on that because I hadn't read the actual manga. All right, like, you know, past that. So yeah. I, wa- I wanted to read the real Akira first, but it is panel for panel, more or less the same with, you know, Simpsons-esque changes in Visuals? it. Visuals? Yeah. Okay. Is, is Are all the word balloons and everything the same? Largely, like they change names. Okay. And locations and a few things, but by and large, it is the same. Oh, where'd you find that? It's on the internet. 
It's uh, uh-huh. because it's uh, very clearly a copyright violation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I doubt anyone's making this, money from did that. Did not own The Simpsons or Akira. It's on bartkira.com. You can read them all. Oh, all up there is it color free. or black and white? It's a mix. Okay. So the, basically, the what they did was it was started. It was kind of started by a guy called Ryan Humphrey. Uh, Ryan Humphrey who uh, in 2013 like wanted to get membership on like a Simpsons fan art Tumblr mm-hmm. and did some like pages from Akira with Simpsons characters as like a, hey, check this out, guys. And it kind of blew up. And then this other dude, James Harvey, he's done, he did a couple issues of Doom Patrol and a few other things. The name sounds familiar because he's got the same name as somebody we knew when we were younger. And I remember seeing like seeing his name come up on Instagram and I was like, wait, is that, the, is that the James Harvey I knew when we were yeah. younger? But no. Yeah. But he called him up and was like, hey, I want to get people together and ha- and just and do the whole book. Yeah. And coordinate it. And, and the, Ryan Humphrey was like, sure, why not? Go for it. And so he like got a spreadsheet and had people sign up. And like over the course of a few years, did the, in all six volumes of the thing. And people would come in and they'd sign up for a page here or a page there or a few pages. Yeah, I'll do this chunk. Yeah, and he gave the Ryan Humphrey guy, he's like, hey, you know, 10 pages, whatever page you want in the first volume you can have, because mm-hmm. this was kind of your brainchild. And uh, it's fucking cool. Like, I mean, it's, I don't know if ripoff's the right word, but I mean, it is Akira. Yeah, it's a um, uh, not parody, not farce. It's like a, uh, like, what would you call space balls? Satire. Yeah, satire. Oh, no, but that wouldn't fit for this part, Akira thing. It's probably kind of parody. Yeah, I guess parody, you know, mashup, homage. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of both because it's done with great reverence. Like the yeah. people that are doing this are huge fans of both properties. Yeah, and they're they're not they're not making like you know Kaneda and Tetsuo like lovers in it or you know like like they're, no, they're yeah. yeah they're not messing it. It's not like fanfic. Like it is the the base story, just with a character swap and like it's in Neo it's it's in Neo Springfield and the. Uh, like it's got the big picture of the the crater and like the lard lad donuts thing is like sitting down in the crater and 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 because it's done by different artists and they only had like some coordination like in the first section they're like riding on motorcycles and in the second one they're on bikes and then they're on bikes <laughs> and then they're on skateboards. This is so dumb. I've I've been sitting here with an <laughs> iPad in front of me oh, and yeah, I have not opened it up. But apparently Otomo heard about it and they and like they heard that he was a big fan of it. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, the James Harvey guy called him and was like, hey, can we? do you mind if we publish it? And he was like, well, you know, I'd be okay with that. This is pretty cool. But then the publishing company was like, yeah, no. Yeah. Because they didn't want him like undercutting the value of actual Akira books. So they said, you, you could publish something, but you can't publish anything with sequential pages. So they did end up publishing like a one-off print run of a book that had, you know, that had a bunch of art from it, but mm-hmm. it wasn't sequential. That's dumb. But I haven't seen that. Apparently that's really rare and hard to find and expensive if you do find it. They made a a trailer for an animated movie. That just popped up. That was not going to have, there's no animated movie associated with it. They just made the trailer for fun during the project and it's awesome. Yeah, it's all the characters are consistent through like all the different artists. But uh, it, it it's, a, it's a fun little, uh, it, uh, it's a really cool project that, that you know 700 people did out of a labor of love and uh like i'd like to read through the rest of it just to kind of see where they go with all of it but it is uh but i want to read the original manga first before i go through it all yeah this wow this website does not like my uh no my ipad yeah it didn't like my phone either 
Okay. Um, well, yeah. Holy shit. I'm looking forward to, to doing that. Um, I'm going to say that's my favorite use. No, um, I honestly, it, it was, it was a very quick thought process for me because like I was saying, like, I don't, I don't know of any other things. I certainly don't have any figures. So, I mean, the movie is my favorite. The manga has potential to take it over because Ooh, just, yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to reading the rest of this series and just seeing where it can go and where it will go, you know, because the, the movie itself is just a finite thing, you know? So, but I mean, as far as, as far as anime goes, like, I don't know if I've seen something more gorgeous than this movie. You yeah. Know? And, I mean, granted, I'm not, I'm not the biggest anime fan, so I haven't, I haven't watched all of the studio Ghibli stuff and I know, you know, like Howl's Moving Castle and like Spirited Away. Is yeah. Spirited lovely. Away. Princess Mononoke. Like I know those things are gorgeous, but I, I just, I haven't, um, I haven't taken the time to appreciate them. But that was one thing that, you know, doing research for this kind of brought out in me was like, I, I would kind of like to go and watch some of those big things that I've missed out on over the years. This is like the golden age of anime. I mean, this is, there's lots of really good stuff there that like my, my daughter's young, so she doesn't appreciate old stuff because kids don't, they very rarely do. Yeah, I didn't when I was, well, then again, I, I appreciated older music. Yeah. I mean, I appreciated older animation. Your kid sucks. <laughs> but she, uh, but the anime she's growing up with presently is just, it's, it's a bit different. Yeah. It's kind of locked itself into a bit more of a pattern. Whereas in the mid late eighties, like, I mean, they were just kind of doing whatever they could. They were just figuring things out and kind of really experimenting and pushing the boundaries and seeing what they could do and yeah. what would happen. Whereas now it's become more of an industry and it's got a bit of a formula. Yeah. Yeah. Like what sells, let's do that. Like it's, it's like Marvel movies, you know, versus superhero movies from back before Marvel movies, which isn't exactly a, a, a ringing endorsement in the, in the case of superhero movies, but. No, but I think it holds true too here. I mean, there, there are definitely flaws in some of the, the older animes too, because mm -hmm. they were just figuring shit out, Yeah, you know, but it's not all, you know lusty cat girls around an oblivious male protagonist that has no idea they all have crushes on them like half the animes are now. oh jeez <laughs> what the fuck way too common wow yeah no kidding so one word review time yeah yeah i think it is as opposed to normal my one word review was actually the first thing i made uh, on our on our structure and it was right when i was starting up the movie it really just it made sense when i was watching that smooth fucking animation and seeing how fast everything moved my word that came to my to, to mind was energy yeah okay like there are so many different ways that word can be applied like whether it's you know the speed of the bikes and and how everything whips around you know the blasts um, in the manga itself, like all those lines, you know, that, that, that is so, um, ubiquitous with, uh, with manga, you know, to, to communicate speed and energy. Like there, there's just so much movement and so much, um, I need my thesaurus open right now so I can find another word and not just say dynamism. Energy. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, yes, it is ultra turbo dynamic. Yeah. A lot of anime stagnates like i was talking about with this being 
created primarily in 24 frames per second. So everything runs so smooth and you, you can get so much movement out of that. A lot, uh, I'm, I would say most normal animation runs at 12 frames per second. Some anime even runs at eight frames per second. Remember Haley was watching that one about like the gods fighting the yeah. human champions. And man, that was some lazy fucking animation. It was called like Rag Ragnarok or something. I don't remember what it was called. But yeah, like, I think that sounds right. But like they would have like the two guys fighting and it would literally be like a still image of each guy slowly panning towards each other mm-hmm. and screaming in the background. I was like, holy shit. This is lazy as fuck. Yeah, yeah. They 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 squeeze as much as they can out of you know uh, the least amount of movement they can. And you know, I always hated how Batman Brave and the Bold did that too. Like there was always it, it usually ended the fight scene where they do like a you just got punched and like yeah. you know all the lines behind them and then they're just sort of parallaxing a little bit on uh, in the, on the screen. Um, but yeah, this this thing just it felt alive. In, in a way that most animated uh, movies don't. Yeah, this movie's like the opposite of that. Things are moving in the background for no reason other yeah. than they're alive. And that's what things do in real life. Yep. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Yeah, I love it. Even, you know, when when that guy's getting gunned down at the beginning. And, like, I already touched on on uh, the the smoke effects and stuff. But, like, all the little the little bullet ricochets. And then, like, the when, when a bullet hits his jacket, like, you see the 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 hole appear and then like the little fibers of the jacket, like, like pop up, you know, like everything was so well done. And, um, you know, on the smoke effect thing, I forgot to mention something that I really liked and it, it, it showed up mostly in the, uh, the toy room scene, um, with, with all the kids and the little show down there is when Tetsuo would use his power, the way they, they represented it visually is it would be like there were, you could see his power like sweeping a line across the ground and there would be like smoke and dust that got kicked up yeah. from it. So you always knew exactly what he was doing, even though there was no actual like energy blast or anything translucent for you to, for you to see, you know, pushing out. Like you could just tell from the effect it was having on the ground what it was doing. Yeah, and it was cool. Like in that same scene, there's a spot where like you could tell it's an orb around him because yes. like there's a, a chunk of the wall has a big divot in it as well. Yeah, when they when they crush him with that thing, which I don't understand why they didn't pull it back, crush him again, pull it back, crush him again. You know, if they've got the ability to take a giant thing and crush him with it, like maybe it'll work eventually. But they're like, they tried once and they're like, oh shit. Yeah, well, no, I mean, I think like he's just standing there. And like, you know, it creates a little divot in the floor beneath him. Oh, okay. We must be talking about a, a different part it in, then. It was in the toy room. Okay. Still. I believe I it. I think it was when he was like yelling at the kids or something, but like the, he's next to a wall and the wall also has a oh, divot okay. out of it. So that's like a full sphere around him affecting the environment. It's like, that's just oh, okay. a cool little detail. Yeah. So energy, maybe I could have said energetic, but whatever. About the same. What about you? What's your own word? I went with uh, essential. Yeah, because this I mean, this is a, a seminal work in in anime in general and, and certainly in in us uh, filthy Westerners interest in anime. This is one of those few things where it's like, all right, if you're into anime and you haven't seen it, you should go watch it now because this is a wonderful example of what anime can be. And it's something you'd appreciate. And you know what? If you're not into anime, you should go watch it now <laughs> because it's a, it's a, you know, it's a beautiful representation of what it can be. And it, it you know, it doesn't really matter whether or not you're into it or not. You should check this movie out. Yeah. And this is, a, you know, if it's something you haven't seen, even if it's, you know, 
animation is not really something you're generally into. It's unconventional enough that uh, it's, it, you know, it's not, it's not what you think it is if you think you don't like it um, until you watch it. And maybe if you don't like it, then, you know, maybe it's too violent for you or, yeah. um, w- you know, whatever your, your issues are. But, it's not uh, going to be everybody's cup of tea, but it is like, if, if what you think anime is, is Dragon Ball Z, you will have a much different experience with yeah. this thing than you would with, with that property that you don't necessarily care for. Cause, cause that's kind of what it did for me when I was a kid was it made me realize how much bigger anime could be and how the kind of stories that it was capable of telling far beyond two guys yelling at each other and throwing magic balls at each other for 10 episodes. Yeah. And being shocked (laughs) at power levels. Yeah. Uh, You know, so, uh, I, I recommend anyone that hasn't seen it to uh, go, go check it out. It's, it's a good flick. It's not without some confusion. Like, like, like it's not always clear what's going on, but, even if you watch it on mute, it's still lovely to look at. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, to that end, you know, neither one of us are the, are the biggest anime fans, but this is kind of a, a corner of geekdom that we have not touched in our yeah. over two years of recording. And, and I apologize for that, but if there's something you would like to hear us talk about, like throw out some suggestions, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm probably not going to watch, you know, a big long running series, but if there's some cool movies that you think. I need to experience, throw it out there. Don't do Ninja Scroll. I didn't like it when I saw it when I was a kid. Um, leave me alone about it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I know, Ben, you want you want to do Cowboy Bebop, right? I do. Yep. Yep. I'm I'm going to make you watch Cowboy Bebop. Yeah. Hey, I'm I'm game. I've, and uh, probably Trigun, too. Yeah. I remember watching some Trigun when I was younger. I thought I thought uh, Vash's look was pretty fucking cool. Those are like my big two from when I was. That your daughter won't younger. watch. Yeah. <laughs> well, for me, yep. I, I would love to do an episode on Guyver because that was the first anime, or I mean, yeah, the first anime series that I was super into. I fucking loved Guyver. And then they, they made a couple of uh, live action movies. The first one had Mark Hamill as a mustachioed cop. Really? Yep. And, um, you know, the, the Zoonoids, like it's, it's cool, practical makeup, you know, on, on those monsters. But I mean, it's, it's not a far cry from, you know, Power the, Rangers. Yeah. 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 That, that, that sort of that Japanese stuff. Hey, there's nothing wrong with yeah. that. Yeah. I'll take that over CGI guys. Yeah. Still. Um, let's see. What else did I love back then? I see. I, I, I want to go back and watch some Eight Man too. Cause it was for me, like from what I remember, it was like Jap- story wise, it was Japanese Robocop. He was a cop that got killed yeah. and, and came back as a, uh, as a cybernetic entity i'm down to do most like you know i loved lupin the third and there's some newer ones that i've watched with with Haley that are pretty good but i usually don't catch them all because she does not wait for me to watch them oh what a jerk the only one we watched together was seven deadly sins and it was the first couple seasons were pretty good uh but i think the four she, we started watching the fourth season and it was just fucking unbearable yeah so i stopped well and that street fighter animated movie was great as well as uh, I really, I, I never saw the whole series, but I, I remember buying VHSs at Suncoast for a Street Fighter 2 V. It was like a, a series of, you know, yeah. young Ryu and Ken and Chun-Li. But yeah, thank you folks for buzzing through this episode on your motorcycles with us. Um, if you want to let us know how we did today, um, you can email us at email at geeksplorationpodcast.com you can find us on the social medias facebook geeksploration the podcast page instagram geeksploration podcast or twitter at geeksplorepod 
or you can do what people have started doing lately and uh, you could leave us a voicemail at 916-ORC-TURD. That is 916-ORC-T-U-R-D. Let us know what animes you want to see or hear us talk about or what we should watch, you know, even if we don't do an episode on it. Do it. I dare you. Now you have to. Unless you're a fucking chicken. Uh, and if you enjoyed today's show, um, head on over to Podchaser and or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five creepy little psychic kid review. Our, uh, we still got swag at uh, shop.geeksplorationpodcast.com. Uh, Space Oddities is still available at Comixology and Drive Through Comics. And we are part of the Geekly Grind co- Podcast Network. Our theme song, as always, is Cruising for Goblins by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. And remember, if you want one so bad, then steal one yourself. 